Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains, but especially right here in the great Northwest in good old Clickatack County, Goldendale, Washington. Friends, this is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here, back in the saddle on another weird Wednesday, friends. After watching what happened last night, Torch Report 237, the morning after mayhem, we will be evaluating the tentative outcomes of this historic midterm elections, friends. It was like, whoops, ouch, whoosh, ouch, take that, whoosh, ouch, ouch, no, no more, ah! You know, I tell you what, just seeing what happened as they're calling these races with, with just a little more than 50% of the vote, and up, oh, that's it, we got it. You know, these guys, these Democrats, they got in the bag. These progressives, they outplayed the Republicans. Uh, they, they outstaged the Republicans. Uh, they outhustled, they outmaneuvered the Republicans, and they sure as hell outmanipulated public perception, friends. By now, I'm sure you have heard. The big red wave was little more than a ripple, and the ripple in the pond has since died out, friends. Come on, you know, this was just another smack in the face. Don't tell me you did not see that coming. You know, I'll tell you what, uh, of all of the despicable swirling spin out there in the spin factory of the mainstream media today, of all the takes and the takeaways, there was one article, one voice in the wilderness that most closely expresses how I personally feel, my personal sentiment and interpretation of what has happened. It was written by Mr. Jim Hoft over at thegatewaypundit.com, and I'm going to read some of it to you. Here's the headline. The headline is Blood Moon bloodbath. Democrats steal the midterms. Communism comes home to America. Crime, inflation, record gas prices, war, open borders, and corruption win big. Americans reject every single dish the Democrats served. Yet, Democrats shocked Americans on Tuesday to win the U.S. Senate, steal battleground states, and possibly keep the U.S. Congress in Nancy Pelosi's control. One of the most corrupt and dishonest politicians in U.S. history. Says Hoft, Republicans dominate in states like Florida and Ohio, state Democrats have not states that Democrats have not yet stolen with their mail-in ballots, bloated voter rolls and ballot trafficking and manufacturing operations. But Democrat John Fetterman, who never held a job and cannot form sentences, won in Pennsylvania. Colorado stole popular conservative Lauren Boebert's seat with their mail-in voting. Georgia elected a Trump-hating governor, but Marxist radical Raphael Warnock, who likes to scream about Whitey at his church, won the first round of the Senate race. And on and on and on. You know, California and New York prove to America that once the communists take control, there's no going back to civility. The witches of Eastwick won Michigan. Ron Johnson is barely leading in Wisconsin to another black Marxist radical who wants to empty the prisons onto the streets of America. And in Arizona, a red state, we are supposed to believe Carrie Lake and Blake Masters are going to lose. Friends, Soon we'll see the true damage. These are the words of Jim Hoff. And I just felt like his 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 language was dripping with the vitriol, the disgust. You know, it's just utterly despicable what's happened. But let's take a deep breath. Even at the local level, uh, candidates that I didn't want to see get elected got elected. It's not over yet, but come on, it's not looking good. The world keeps turning, though. The world keeps turning. That's where we're at today. Sun keeps shining. Let the world keep turning. Let the sun 
keep burning. I know that's not the way the song goes, friends, but I just I don't want to waste my time today talking about the backstabbing Republican political establishment. I don't want to waste my time today whining about all the little things that cumulatively usurp the will of the people yet again. I don't want to talk about hope uh, uh, being prematurely dashed against the rocks or about what this means for Republicans in 2024. And I sure as hell do not want to talk about Donald Trump running for re-election, friends. Instead, I want to tell you a story. But before I do, I want to state for the record emphatically and with conviction that I do believe this midterm election was stolen in broad daylight, highway robbery, much like the 2020 election, same sorts of shenanigans. And I don't care if radical progressives and Republican rhinos call me names because of it. I don't care if they call me an extremist or an election denier. I don't care if they call me a quack or an unhinged conspiracy theorist. Their labels are lies, and therefore they do not stick. Friends, keep that in mind. If I am not honest with myself, if I cannot speak from the heart, if I cannot tell you what I really think or how I really feel, then some part of me dies inside. So therefore, I must speak up. And like many others, I must raise my voice and I must be heard. I demand to be heard. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously, I can't demand to be heard because you don't have to listen to me. I do greatly appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me here today. You know, but I just have to say, you know, many people, I, I honestly believe that the majority of people know that what's happening is wrong. They know what just happened. They can sense it. What the hell just happened? Whoa, you know? But too few understand what we're up against. Too few understand how they pull it off. Too few realize what's at stake. Too few understand how the algorithmic social interventions have been shaping public perception for years at this point and how that inevitably impacted the outcome of the election. Too few people grasp the Sentinel surveillance, how it works, how it's been used to craft custom propaganda and target the, quote, most exploitable. Friends, those are their words, not mine. They're using AI to target the most exploitable, to effectively hack humanity and predetermine the outcome of elections. So what the hell just happened? I'll tell you what happened. What happened was exactly what needed to happen in order to continue this incredible transition known as the Great Reset. Just like censorship does not have to be 100% to be effective, we talked about this, right? They're not going to just take it all down. It's too obvious. Neither do corrupt politicians need to rig every election to come out on top because that would be too obvious. But rig a couple of elections here, rig a couple of elections there, critical battleground state over here, a few specific precincts over there, a couple certain key positions over there, you know, do that. And you can pull off a historic political upset that leaves the peasants scratching their heads, wondering what the hell just happened. And here we are, friends, the morning after the mayhem. They told us it was going to be a red mirage. Did they not? Do you recall? We talked about that. Did you know that they used that very same language, the, 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 the red mirage? That's what they used when they stole the 2020 election. It only looked like Donald Trump was going to win. It only looked like sock puppet Joe Biden, who never left his basement, was a stumbling, bumbly fool that Americans could see straight through. It only appeared that we were going to have a free and fair election. You know? Similarly, it only looked like the John the Jackass Fetterman was going to lose, you know, <laughs> but he, he knew that he was going to win. I mean, come on. He'd hired a Clinton attorney. He called that it was going to be a late night surge and sure as hell it happened. Friends, the writing was on the wall. 
Now, of course, we're not supposed to say any of that. <laughs> if Democrats get their that their way, we're not going to, to we won't be able to say it. We won't be able to say that, you know, because questioning the outcome of the elections is a threat to democracy. Don't forget that they've been introducing legislation to make it illegal to question elections for years at this point. Okay, it's always a Democrat initiative. It's always progressive to suppress free speech. But what the hell? <laughs> it needs to be said. You know, th- th- plenty of people are saying it. So we must never be afraid to speak the truth, even to the face of tyrants. Even under the threat of penalty, under the threat of imprisonment, public shaming, social ostracization, deplatforming, or character assassination, no matter the stakes, we must speak the truth. Otherwise, the truth dies and freedom dies along with it. Friends, that's unacceptable. I want to offer a few more observations about election night before we zoom out and get to the story here. First observation is that the entrenched Republican Party was just as threatened by the MAGA candidates as the Democrat Party, which is why Mitch McConnell, Mitch the Turtle, Mitch the Schmuck McConnell, who just signed uh, more gun control, signed on to a measure for more gun control, he just poured millions and millions of dollars into local races to swing elections in favor of party players. Okay, he's a party boy. Now, similarly, the big winners last night you know, were the Democrat and the Republican leadership who worked together to shore up the status quo and keep the money flowing into their coffers. The big losers last night were the millions of Americans who were duped yet again to believe this time would be different, that their concerns would be heard, and that accountability would be had. Friends, it was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. The establishment, the third observation is that the establishment is also working together right now en masse to cover uh, cover their asses as far as the corruption that was done, uh, but also to, to wrangle their masses into the respective party pens. Make no mistake, we only have a two-party system. That's the only way it's going to work, lest all hell break loose and the peasants truly get uppity. You know, the media is running cover while prominent Republicans do damage control and try to convince their plebes that this is all because of Donald Trump and the MAGA extremists who are a threat to democracy. Come on, you know, any good Republicans need to move beyond 2020 and let go of any of these fantasies about election integrity or political accountability. Come on, we are in a post-accountability era, friends. And all of this casts a dark and ominous foreboding cloud over the horizon. There is no easy way out of this mess, but that doesn't mean that there is no hope. Never lose sight of hope friends. It just means that we have to get wise to the games. We have to sharpen our messaging about what matters most and why and start campaigning today for a future worth having. Okay, Like I said yesterday, this is only one battle in a much bigger war and they're already, their war machine is totally tuned into 2024, two years hence, friends, when maybe all hell does break loose. Who knows? Now, It would be wise. It would behoove us on the side of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, shall we say, the freedom movement. It would be wise to refocus on practical, intelligent strategies that can take into account the full scope of what's going on, what we're up against, including the AI and the machines. And then we need to work smarter and harder than ever before. Friends, now is not the time to give up or go into hiding. Now is not the time. Uh, in the book, the Rush Limbaugh book, he said, you know, Rush always said, I'll tell you when it's time to panic. And, and many people pointed out he never said it was time to panic. Friends, it's not time to panic. But what do we do now? 
I was thinking about it. Last night, I emceed a, a local event here in support of our legendary constitutional sheriff, Bob Songer, and other local liberty-loving candidates. And the room was packed to capacity and beyond, standing room only, you know, spill over into the other room, and the energy in the room was palpable. It reminded me of being on the people's convoy. There's so much hope, so much enthusiasm. Yes, you know, yes, this is the American spirit, alive and well. So much genuine conversation and connection should, so much good old fashion Americana, you know, that gave me hope. I think it gave everybody hope. It's like, yes, you know, we were gathered as Americans and rightly feeling optimistic about the future. But I have to tell you the truth, friends, and this is this is just being a little vulnerable here. I uh, I usually get jazzed up for an event. I'm always excited. I, I, I like uh, that role, helping everybody have a good time. But last night before I left, I was troubled and I sat down on the couch and shed a few tears. I, my wife was wondering, well, what's going on? You know, and I told her, I said, I know, I know what's about to happen here. Uh, the results are not going to go our way, <laughs> not just here at the local level, but all across the country. You could see you know, oh, 20% of the machines in Maricopa County go down, you know, New Jersey, Texas, all Pennsylvania, all across the country. There were shenanigans, shady shenanigans, enough shady shenanigans to swing the election. I knew both parties were in on it and I knew they were going to try to pull it off. Because they had too much to lose. They've come too far. There's no turning back now, friends. What would happen? What would happen if there was a big red wave? What would happen if there was accountability? Uh, what would happen if there was an honest invest investigation, uh, a legitimate arrests, uh, people f for people breaking the law? What if there really was a legal routing of the corrupt political establishment? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if the American people simply shit can the majority of the worthless sack in Congress? <laughs> Can you imagine if that happened? That would, uh, that would throw the entire globalist agenda into a tailspin, would it not? Without the big bucks flowing in like honey from the Federal Reserve to the innumerable needy progressive pet projects all around the globe – Many of their schemes, the globalist schemes, would come to an immediate screeching halt. And that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but you know they're not going to just let that happen. Without U.S. dollars, what would happen to the WHO, to NATO, to the UN? What would happen to the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals? What would happen to the future Earth? What would happen to progress? <sighs> Do you see what I mean? There's simply too much at stake, friends. They weren't going to let it happen. Okay? They were not going to let it happen. Besides, if there was a wave of liberty-loving constitutional candidates who were hell-bent on holding the corrupt career politicians' feet to the fire, that would be a threat to democracy, would it not? That's what we've been told repeatedly for months. You know, It would create civil unrest. It would, it would, it would further divide our already deeply divided nation. It would interrupt the peaceful transition of power. It would be a complete departure from American principles. That's what we've been told. That's how the pro masses have been programmed. That's what J6 was all about. And as you probably know, friends, these are all lies. But sometimes lies are easier to believe than the truth. That's what the establishment is counting on. It's too painful to think about our country being stolen in broad daylight. It's too painful to think about the whole shandemic being planned and on purpose. 
It's too painful to think about the long line of usurpations and abuses that have been inflicted upon our generally unsuspecting, good-natured, and trusting population. Friends, it's just easier to believe the next lie, at least for a lot of people. It's only the MAGA extremists who believe all this Russian, Chinese, and Iranian propaganda. It's only the Christian insurrectionists who oppose the perverted indoctrination of our children. It's only the racist white supremacists who are trying to keep the poor Central American immigrants from pouring across the border. It's not about Mexican cartels and fentanyl and human trafficking and anchor babies and future illegal voters. It's about replacement theory and racist Republicans clinging to power. But, friends, come on. Be a good Republican because good Republicans, like all good humans, uh, will quickly dismiss all these lies. They're going to be conditioned to renounce these convictions at once. Shame on you for even entertaining the conspiracies. How could you even question the outcome of the election? You see, this election was not rigged. It was free and fair. Republicans won big in Florida. They took back the House. Not all the tallies have been finalized, so there's a chance they still may squeak out a majority in the House. You see, there was no corruption or fraud whatsoever. Absolutely no evidence. And any and all evidence indicates that this was, in fact, the most free and fair election we have ever had. Anyone who questions that gospel is a domestic terrorist. You don't want to be a domestic terrorist, now do you? You don't want to be part of the problem. You don't want to buy into the lies. Don't destroy democracy by complaining about all these conspiracies. Come on, man. You're better than that. You're a good human. Do your part. Know your role. Sit down. Shut up. Go home and take it, you peasant. What the hell are you going to do about it anyway? You are just a powerless peasant, are you not? What are you going to do? Grab your torch and pitchfork and storm the castle? Come on, man. You have to have an F-16 to take on Joe Biden. He said so himself. Don't be a fool. Be cool, cat. You know, be a good human. And then on second thought, on second thought, somebody uh, recently told me that to tar and feather a corrupt politician was only a misdemeanor offense. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I haven't looked into it to know for sure, and I'm certainly not advocating any form of violence. Uh, but it did make me wonder how such behavior would be handled by the authorities. You know, Would they treat it like a friendly neighborhood riot you know, where tear gas and Molotov cocktails are being thrown and innocent people are being abused and private property is being destroyed and police are being ran out of their own precinct? Is that how they would treat a tar and feathering of a politician? I'm not sure. You know, would it be treated like the gang violence, the drug-fueled violent crime epidemic, or the heinous public assaults that are plaguing our nation? Because a lot of those are felonies, and this is just a misdemeanor. So how would the tar and feathering compare? I don't know. Uh, but I think probably not. I think it would be treated much worse to tar and feather a public official. Come on, you know, even though it may only be a misdemeanor, that would be a violent act that would only be perpetrated by radical extremists or domestic terrorists hell bent on assailing the sacred institution of democracy. At least that's how the story would be told. So what about this grab the torch and pitchfork? mantra? You know, it's like in the cartoon Shrek, grab the torch and pitchforks, you know, how might that play out? Can you imagine it? Is there a law against having a pitchfork in one hand and a torch in the other? I honestly don't know. Uh, but who would do such a ridiculous thing? How antiquated, how ignorant, how uncouth and crass, you know, how dare these peasants be so uppity, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the way 
the average person or the normal people would think about that. So, but still, it, it does kind of make for this entertaining thought experiment, friends. I know we're a little bit long here, so this this podcast today, uh, the rest of this podcast is a story. Uh, it's it's an entertaining thought experiment, a hypothetical projection of how a torch and pitchfork moment might in fact play out. Friends, this is pure speculation, as I know you know. Uh, but for the sake of satirical conclusions, uh, this is not a plan, game plan. This is not a strategy. But I just want you to think about this. Imagine if millions of Americans were so cold and so hungry and so desperate for food and fuel that they actually did grab their torches and pitchforks. In this story, the torches would be to stay warm and to light up the cold, dark nights, and the pitchforks would be for self-defense against wild animals. Okay? Now, with the torches and pitchforks in hand, the peasants talk amongst themselves and gather members from the community, and they decide they've had enough cold nights. They're going to march over to the oil rig or march over to the coal mine or what have you, and they would promptly set about pumping the fuel or extracting the coal and immediately putting this resource to use to generate electricity, to fire up the trucks and the tractors and the factories, to stay warm, to feed their families, etc. Can you imagine that? Just a bunch of peaceful peasants with torches and pitchforks to stay warm and protect themselves and and use these resources in their community. Now imagine government goons swoop in and they demand that they stop pumping the fuel, stop burning the coal, and stop trying to keep those factories running. Why? What's the reason? Well, because these activities are illegal, say the authorities, because they cause pollution, because they harm the planet, because they threaten public health and safety, and therefore you cannot and you must not pump fuel, dig coal, etc. Are you with me here? The peasants, with the torches and the pitchforks in hand, hear the government's warning but reject their arguments because being cold and hungry for so long has created a massive shift in their priorities. They don't care so much about what the government says. The peasants now are set on pumping this fuel or extracting this coal no matter the cost. Their survival depends on it. Rather than cave to the authorities, the desperate peasants do something drastic. They decide to make a stand. One by one, the peasants with their torches and pitchforks start lining up shoulder to shoulder in solidarity with the workers who are still working on the rigs and in the mines. Cold and hungry and desperate for fuel and food, they commit to standing there for as long as necessary to make sure that the community was able to get the resources it needs to survive. The government balks. Agents threaten the peasants with penalties, with tickets and fines, but the peasants are too poor to care. After all the taxes and all the exorbitant inflation, they literally have nothing to lose. They say to themselves, you can't take what we do not have. Then the government threatens arrest, but still the peasants stand strong, this time linking arms and vowing to protect each other from being dragged off and thrown into prison camps or a work camp because people who disappear like that are never quite the same if they ever are seen again. Government agents become enraged. How dare these peasants defy their orders? How dare these peasants disrespect their authority? How dare they ignore the law and disobey? The penalty for such seditious insubordination must be swift, says the agents. They must be defining. If more peasants started standing around with torches and pitchforks, that would be a threat to democracy. 
No, friends, the authorities must make it clear, perfectly clear to the public that such behavior is absolutely unacceptable. Otherwise, people might start questioning their authority. Otherwise, the peasants uh, might start to question, the public might start to question their ability to enforce the law or their ability to maintain peace and stability and keep the public safe and secure. They decide to break up the party. The agents, the government agents rush in with flashbangs and guns at the ready. The cameras are rolling and the peasants start to howl and scream and protest as their eyes and their skin is burning. And the agent, an agent reaches out to grab the first unruly peasant by the arm and he yanks her out of the crowd. And she falls forward, her pitchfork falling with her, sticking the agent in the leg. Then her torches flies through the air and lands on the ground and lights another agent's pants on fire. And the cameras capture it all. What happens next is not real clear, friends, but from the footage on the news, it appears that a mob of angry peasants started attacking the authorities who were there to protect the public and ensure law and order. Some agents fired rounds from their semi-automatic rifles in self-defense. Several peasants were wounded or killed, but fortunately, no agents lost their lives. Uh, the pitchforks of the angry peasants were not able to pierce their Kevlar vests and ballistic shields. Thank God. The full incident, friends, was investigated by numerous alphabet agencies, and this was dubbed to be an insurrection. Those peasants were immediately arrested and imprisoned without trial or bail. The other peasants went home cold, hungry, and convinced that they had made a mistake. They were grateful when the government showed mercy, when the government turned the heat back on for a little while each day. They were grateful when the government gave them some money for food, even though there wasn't much on the shelves. They were grateful that their kids would get fed at school, that everyone could get testing and their boosters were free, and that, solar, that the solar bus would show up and take them to the park, that public servants were picking up the needles, that the homeless had pillows, that the politicians were so good at keeping everyone safe and saving the planet from the pollution. Friends, what, what's wrong with the world? It's perfect. In fact, these peasants were so grateful, the ones who survived. They were so grateful for what the government was doing that they forgot all about the torches and pitchforks. There was a big game on that night, uh, a fresh episode coming out tomorrow. There was a new app that would help them be even better humans, uh, and all of that meant that life was good. Those angry peasants with those pitchforks, those are fools. They threatened democracy. And the real plight of their peaceful protest, the real story about what happened that fateful day was never told. It was censored because the algorithms had determined it would undermine peace and stability. The AI told a different story, that that was the day that democracy prevailed. That was the day the ignorant peasants learned their lessons. It's best to keep fossil fuels and coal in the ground where they belong. And if you're going to stand in solidarity, it better be for the right reasons. And if you're going to challenge the government, you're going to need a lot more than torches and pitchforks. Either that, friends, or you're going to need a whole hell of a lot more peasants. Friends. <laughs> oh, that concludes our story, friends. We're going to get back to reality tomorrow. I know a little bit long today here. I had a power outage this morning. That was kind of weird. Uh, starting working on going on Luma, doing my research. Boom, everything shuts down. I thought, oh my gosh, it's happening. You know, EMP. I don't know. No, it was just a planned power outage. Come to find out. I'm sure that won't affect the uh, local ballot counting with the electronic voting machines. But hey, what do you know, friends? You know, it's it's Wednesday. Friends, stay wise. Stay cool. Uh, stay alert. 
Stay alive and don't give up. Don't lose hope. The war is far from over, friends. That is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the great honor of clicking that little heart and giving me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And remember, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Friends, get out there and embrace this day, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.